Okay, guys, I don't know about you, but I hate commercials and I don't want to add them to this program. Problem is, I need more patron support in order to avoid it. So if you want The Suzanne Banker Show to remain commercial free, please take a hot second to pause this program and go to SuzanneBanker.com forward slash podcast and scroll down until you see the orange button that says become a Patreon subscriber. When you do that, you'll see three economical tiers from which to choose. And when you sign up, you get goodies such as an early release of this program and free ebooks. Also, for the next 24 hours only, I'm giving a 100% free digital copy of my brand new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, to the first 10 people who sign up at the $20 level. Again, that's SuzanneBanker.com forward slash podcast. Don't wait, because if you're anything like me, you'll intend to do it, and then it'll get lost in the shuffle. So pretty please do it now before you forget. It's easy to hit pause, and when you come back, I'll still be here, and you won't have missed a thing. That's SuzanneBanker.com slash podcast. And now, on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. Okay, everyone. I know I said you'd be hearing only from me in the coming weeks because How to Get Hitched has now hit the market, and I'm going to be talking about this topic in the weeks to come, but... Since last week's episode, I came across this article that is so aligned with the topic of my new book that I just had to ask the author, Carrie Gress, to come on the program to have this very important conversation with me. After that, I promise it will just be me again. So just to recap for those of you who may not know, despite the title of my new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, it's not actually about marriage per se. It's about how to incorporate marriage, if that is what you want, into your life plan. In fact, if you're currently in college or you're a recent grad, you still need this book, even though you may not have marriage on your mind, because building a relationship that lasts and a life that works begins long before you say I do. And the number one thing standing in the way of young people, women in particular, getting the support they need to build such a life is precisely what Carrie Gress laid out in her article entitled, Why Don't We Tell Women? what's making them miserable. Side note, if you want to read that article, just Google that title. Why don't we tell women what's making them miserable? She writes, over the last five decades, a carefully constructed closed system has been created so that anything outside its boundaries is almost unthinkable. Hollywood, universities, politics, the fashion industry, magazines, daytime television, and book publishing generate enough ideological tail weaving to make sure there's only one narrative in town. But more satisfying ways to live do exist. Ways where dignity is honored, health is valued, body parts aren't ignored or rendered useless, and relationships, which are at the true heart of most women, aren't fleeting or shallow, useful or convenient but deep, abiding, and life-giving. If only we could find a way to tell this to every woman. So now you know why I wanted to have her on. 
So without further ado, let's bring on Carrie Gress. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Well, thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here. It's so nice to meet you. I, I've definitely read your work before and I've never met you though. And this is really awesome to do so. Well, thank you. I've been watching your work for a long time. I have an aggregate site and we always post your pieces when we find them because there's just so little out there that has that kind of truth and wisdom. So thank you for, for your work. Yeah, we are definitely like in a very small club, right? <laughs> <coughs> fighting, sure. a, fighting a big machine. Yeah. Okay, so I have brought you on today because you wrote a piece in National Review earlier this week called, Why Don't We Tell Women What's Making Them Miserable? <laughs> Which, of course, caught my eye. And, <laughs> yeah, and then when I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this could be a complete you know, promo for, for my book, which is out just this week. So because I'm in the throes of that, I just had to have you on because I've been doing these solo podcasts and um, I just want to have someone else on there to, to, to talk about this with. I think that'll be very helpful. So I'm going to read from your article and we're just going to go through it and, and talk about this really, really important topic. Okay. So the gist of it is that, um, over the last five decades, you, you began, feminism has made a long march through American culture, but happiness metrics confirm that women are struggling. Suicides, depression, substance abuse, and sexually transmitted infections have all increased dramatically over the past five decades. More specifically, just in a general sense, women aren't becoming happier, just more medicated. So you know that there was that... Um, report that came out, what was it about the paradox of declining female happiness? Was that, has that been 10 years since, since that came out? Um, showing that men's, uh, the women's happiness has declined relative to men's. And that was a big thing when I was writing for Fox News that I talked about, um, I wrote about. And um, it was a big deal all over the news because the idea is, oh my gosh, 30 years after feminism, how could we possibly have have this report that women are more miserable than they were 30, 40 years ago? How is that possible? And then you watched all the media just kind of figure out what could this be and you know having all these really interesting con cryptic conversations never getting at the truth of it of course because the media will right. never cover the truth right um yeah so that's that's so so that's that's a fact i mean that's not like conjecture that's not an opinion we know that women are unhappier mm -hmm. um the, the data is there mm -hmm. and you write in this piece that it is striking to consider that we do that as a culture we do so little to help women basically ahead of time is what you're saying. And you write that most American women with money, degrees, or connections will never hear that our culturally prescribed feminist lifestyle is the source of their unhappiness, struggles, and feeling of, feelings of emptiness. It just seems that we allow women to free fall into truly awful states. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. No, I think this is really the saddest thing. And I, I continue to be amazed at the um, how much feminism has packaged itself as sort of this whole, you know, it's like a, a happy meal or something like you have if you in order to get <laughs> the prize of being able to vote or own a home, we also have to have uh, abortion packed into that you know, all of these things, all these lies of, you know, our children are going to be the obstacle to our happiness. Our husbands are an obstacle to our happiness. Um, you know, it's so it's, it's fascinating to me how they've, they've made it the case that all of these things have, have to be together. Um, when in fact, you know, these are totally separate issues that have come about over separate decades. And 
Um, so anyway, I, I think this is really the saddest part is that when even to get women to sort of look behind the curtain, and I know this was true for myself. I mean, I, I remember this guilt of feeling like I couldn't possibly, you know, say that something's wrong with feminism. After all, I, you know, I, I own a home or I can vote or, you know, whatever, exactly. goody, you know, goody it is that I think that I've gotten from feminism. Um, so I think that that's been one of the things that's just so frustrating is to sort of get women to see like these things happen on at, at different times and different trajectories. And they're not, you know, feminism, the way that we know it today is really motivated by Marxism. And it's got this occult piece that also is an, a, uh, uh, an engine of it. Absolutely. And we're not paying attention to those things. And so that's, you know, one of the things that is just really important, I think, even just pointing to why women are unhappy is to sort of say, there's more behind the curtain than than what we're really seeing. Bingo, exactly. And then the problem is, of course, there's too few of us doing that. So it's going to take twice, <laughs> twice, three times, 10 times as long right. as it took the last, as it took feminists over the last 40 years to do the damage. That they all the done. damage, yeah. All the damage. And, and they, they are, they're the ones that control, you know, the airspace yeah. as well. So, um, and how we, we're viewed and all, all of that. So yeah, it's really, they control the message at this point. So that's- And the, that's why, you know, lately my argument has been to me, because there are so few of us willing to do that, that at the end of the day, it really comes down to, in my opinion, parenting. Yeah. That parent, that teaching your children, like, for example, I have two kids, one, one boy, one girl, neither one of them have fallen for any of the stuff that so many of their contemporaries have. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way that it's not because they grew up in the household that they did. They were constantly getting pummeled with the truth, constantly. Uh, We were on it like, you know, bees on honey when, when we heard anything that was sort of not accurate Mm -hmm. um, thrown at them. Now they were in public, uh, I'm sorry, private Catholic school. So we, uh, you know, it wasn't the same experience as your average public school kid for sure. Um, but it's, it's getting in everywhere really, you know, and it's just a matter of time. So, so the reality is most parents aren't going to either be aware enough in terms of knowing how to counteract those messages. That's part of the problem. It's one of the things that I, I want to help them do. Mm -hmm. Um, but to know how to talk to them in a way where they can, they can be heard. Mm -hmm. You you brought up a really interesting point that you're absolutely right. People are afraid to say anything against what is what has come to be known as women's empowerment, which is you know a great word that's been completely abused, um, because they think that that means that you think that women should have no rights or no say or whatever. That's the fear that they've instilled in people to keep them frozen, frozen with fear. Um, not unlike what's going on with COVID, but we won't get into that. Um, just so much misinformation. So, so it's the, it's the subtlety of it. That's the most concerning because the obvious, you know, ranting and raving, you know, the vagina hats or whatever that was, all that stuff is really obvious. Most people will respond to that pretty positively. I mean, happily talk out against it, but it's the subtleness Mm -hmm. in the messaging through the media, through Hollywood, through television, through social media, through all of that, where there's this assumption that there is no other way to think. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just one way. And if you veer from that, there's something wrong with you. You're backward. And as we can see from the last year, people want to follow. They want to go where they're comfortable. Yeah. That's what makes it so insidious. 
You're absolutely right. And I think that that is the amazing thing. You know, I talk about this a lot is that like, like you said, this dichotomy of either you are engaged and healthy and happy woman that follows along, or you're really a doormat. Um, or like you said, you don't want to empower women or, you know, and it, invariably these conversations always lean. You know, I didn't mention once the working women or anything. And, you know, it's amazing to me how much of a conversation that brings up with people oh, yeah. in the boxes and whatnot. Like that wasn't even part of the discussion. Um, and yet that's what comes up is that concern that you, you know, you're going to, you're going to turn us into the handmaid's tale kind of thing. And that's what, how they've been so effective. Like you said, the subtlety of like, let's put the handmaid's tale and just completely characterize anybody that disagrees with us in, in, you know, with these awful robes and give women sort of this framework that they can think of the opposite, but there's no subtlety of, you know, what's in the middle, you know, what does it look like when you have a woman who, you know, honors her husband and honors her fertility and honors, uh, you know, her intellect and, you know, all of these pieces exactly. that they so, are, are claiming that we, we couldn't possibly, you know, be happy for, with. So that's so much about what, what the book is about that's out this week, which is actually titled How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, but it's about so much more than marriage. It's about exactly what we're talking about. How do you build a life that works? How are you going to take all these pieces and put them into one package? Is there a way to do that that's different from what you hear in the media? And my answer is yes, it is. And I lay it out in the book. It's a roadmap. So you, and, and so you're getting, let's go back a little bit to, um, to your article here. You, you, you write that the regnant belief is that human nature is plastic enough that we can do whatever we want consequence free. But so many devastated lives paint a different picture. The progressive solution, which has been cycling around for decades, has been to fix or shore up problems with more government assistance and programs. Remember Julia, the imaginary woman, oh my gosh, do I remember this? The imaginary woman who never needed a man. I don't know if anyone listening remembers this and I can't remember how many years ago, but it was during the Obama administration. And they had this caricature of this, this woman, Julia, and they showed her from birth to death and how she was going to live her life. It's a different kind of roadmap than my book, let's say, and how you never need a man because the government's gonna step in and take care of you every step of the way. And you write this unintentionally dystopian portrait thought up during the Obama administration was meant to let us know that the government is here to supply our every need from birth to death without placing any kind of demands on our behavior. Rarely is the suggestion made, you write, that women have been sold a poisonous lifestyle and that the behaviors implied in that lifestyle are what actually needs to be changed. Let's talk about what those are. What are some of those? Um, well, obviously the, the first one is with regard to our fertility. Um, you know, it is this belief, this lie that has been perpetuated since the start that, that children are the obstacle to our happiness, that if only we didn't have to have them, we could have the careers that we wanted and the kind of happiness that, that we want. Um, and I think this is the most insidious one because of course there's so many consequences that come um, certainly with, with the abortion culture that we've got today, where it is, you know, shout your abortion and Kind of this idea that it's almost a rite of passage even you know you've got people um well, the hollywood uh, star who thinks right exactly it's just, yeah. right it's i i couldn't have um made my career if my career but you know i never would have had the success if i had had that baby um we hear that over again over and over again so um i think that that is certainly the the biggest piece and um you know i've written extensively about this in terms of what does it do even when you become a parent you know that, that you have virtues that grow just by default because you suddenly have someone outside of yourself that's pulling you out of yourself and kind of mitigating your narcissism and all of that. So um, from the very beginning, it, it, you know, that is the main piece that I think that they've tried to take 
away from us um, is our motherhood and the, the the kind of gift that that is. I mean, even you know, and that's what makes so much confusion about our own bodies. Even you know that the fact that we don't know what to do with boobs, we don't know what to do with our uterus, we you know we don't know what to do with our period anymore because none of it makes sense outside of this context. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that that's really the the biggest piece that they, where they've been so so successful. And then of course. Um, and I always marvel at just the, um, the talking points, you know, the talking points haven't changed that much in 50 years. And part of that is our fault. We haven't pushed back enough. Um, but you know, these very effective lines, like, you know, my body, my choice and, um, destroy patriarchy, you know, all of this. Um, and of course, ironically, you know, while they're, they're telling us we need to destroy the patriarchy, they've built up this matriarchy that is just controlling everything. Um, and I talk about that extensively in my book called the the anti-Mary exposed, rescuing the culture from toxic femininity. Let me, uh, let me stop you right there about that book because I've had people ask me to have you come on for that book and I'm mm-hmm. apologizing both to you and to them that <laughs> I have not read that book. I am aware of that book. This is the author of that book. I'm so sorry, um, but I'm in the throes of this launch week of my own book. And so when I saw your article, I just wanted to talk to you about it. So I don't mean to take anything away from you, but everybody who asked me to have Carrie Gress on, yes, she is the author of The Anti-Mary Exposed, which you're more than welcome to tell us about. Like. Well, I mean, the idea of that one came about when I um, was was really looking at the culture and I was studying specifically uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary and what a model she's been. I mean, it's been the most powerful woman in history is really how she's, she's even National Geographic has said it. And then I looked at what the powerful women in our own culture were doing, and it was just so diametrically opposed from that. So it was interesting to, to look at this um, when you see these women as opposed to it. And I, I think that's yeah. really where so many of my ideas have come from is just to see how backwards we've gotten. Exposing those two. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think that that's part of the damage has been to sort of see um, that Blessed Virgin Mary is really this very saccharine or one dimensional or, you know, very unimportant piece, which is fascinating because it's really through devotion to her that that's where the idea that we we have equal dignity to men really exploded. I mean, certainly it's a Christian idea. It came with, you know, Christ talked talked about it, but it was really through, you know, the first thousand years of of church history, that that's where we come to understand the the real equal dignity that men and women have. They're different, but they're equal. So it's amazing to me that this is a lost piece within the culture because, um, you know, if you look at what's happening in Afghanistan, look at how women are treated there. This isn't something that people just know. It had to come from somewhere. It didn't come out of the ether. Um, or it's not one of those just built-in ideas. Um, so that I think that that's another important piece to even look at is, uh, you know, we think that this is just a, a common idea that everybody has, and yet it, it didn't come from anywhere else except Christianity. So um, anyway, that book has been just an amazing thing. It's actually coming out in Spanish in the next couple of months. Um, and, I, you know, I have people telling me they're leaving lesbian lifestyle and whatnot, because I really looked at the roots of, um, of feminism from the Marxist perspective, as well as the occult and just how those two work together sort of in this deadly cocktail um, to really poison so much of, of, of what we understand about womanhood and the culture well, today. And the word poison is, is really, it's just really the only word for it. I yeah. Mean, it is poison. Right. It's super toxic. Yeah. And, and it, and, and it, because it's now in the air, it's no longer, it no longer needs to be defined. It's just there. So yeah. that's very different from trying to fight something that's kind of new, you know, like a new idea. Right. Right. Once it's there, it's there. And then when you're not taking part, you're, as I say, you know, labeled as a, as a crazy person. So it's very difficult at mm-hmm. that point to get people. Well, 
go ahead. And I think what's fascinating about it is when you see that the, the roots of the, the feminist movement, I mean, the, the goal really was to have women become like men, but also to recognize the, the female to female relationship was the was really the goal. Um, you can see very clearly this is a stepping stone to get us to all the LGTB nonsense that we're dealing with now. That's really a fourth wave of feminism, but it also undergirds a lot of um, the critical race theory. It's all this idea of victimhood and and Marxism and distorting the family and destroying the family. Um, and so these are kind of the building blocks. So it's really interesting to me, actually. I'm sure you've thought about this, but I, I'm amazed at how much pushback the critical race theory is getting. But it's harder to see the pushback <laughs> in the family. Um, you know, when you're dealing with something like feminism, because I think it is so entrenched and nobody wants to fight with their wife, you know, and nobody wants to get in these arguments within the family. So it, it's an interesting thing. Well, to see. that's a really good point, Carrie, because that, I don't know whether that was, I don't know, that's a coincidence, but the, what's one of the reasons why they're able to be so successful is exactly why you just said, because mm-hmm. men are not made to fight with women. <laughs> right. All they want is for them to be happy. And yeah. whatever you tell them, for the most part, that's going to make you happy, they're going to abide by. And so for 30, 40 years, they've been hearing, this is what we want to do with our lives instead of this other thing. Okay, go ahead, do it. You know. And then what's happened is there's been a huge reaction to that, um, both in the relationship between women and men, but also in men stepping back. Because once mm-hmm. women start to step up, they don't want to compete with them. So they just naturally took a step back and stopped trying as hard. And now women are up here and they say, well, I want a man who's equally or above me. And they're not finding him because the men aren't. Aren't, aren't becoming successful anymore. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's a mess. It is a mess. Yeah. It mess. And it's and, off of human nature because that's the human yeah. nature. That is the nature of man. And you, you can't undo it. So the only way out is to undo it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of my argument. No. And I think you're, you're exactly right. I mean, even look at Adam and Eve, you know, he didn't, Adam didn't want to fight with Eve. I mean, this is really using human nature against us um, in, in a, such a distorted way. So, and I, actually that was one of the fun things about my book was actually not coming after men in this book. Um, I had some woman say, you know, you don't, you don't put any blame on the men. I said, well, we've put blame on them for 50 years. Oh, I think we have one book that yeah, isn't exactly, um, you know, just to give them a, a space where they can look at things from a totally different perspective. And I, I'm finding too, even in the talks that I give, um, you know, you can almost see visibly this angst and irritation sort of um, melt out of the shoulders of men when I, when I, I talk about this because suddenly it goes from their irritation to sort of a sense of pity because they realize this has been force fed to us. You know, we haven't, there's not like a, an off ramp, you know, there's not a way for us to sort of think differently outside the box of this, unless you had like a really amazing grandmother or mother or somebody, you know, within the family unit that sort of kept you on the course. So um, I, I think that that's another important thing that we have to do is just help men understand how they can, respond to this in a healthy way instead of just keep feeding it Agreed. their passivity. Agreed. Um, okay. So, and, and the way that I'm choosing to respond to it or to, to deal with it, that is very different from yours with the, with your book is look, I'm not worried about the people who buy into all of it and are proud of it and are happy and want to go do their thing. I am, I'm here for the people who know that something's very wrong, that it goes against what they want and they need support and encouragement for building a life, and this is key, building a life that includes a lasting relationship, i.e. marriage, that's what it's going to be for most people, and a balanced life. 
And that's not something feminism can ever offer you. Neither one of those things, right? Anti-man, anti-marriage, anti-family. So there's that. And also they don't want you to have a balanced life. They want you all in all the time in the workforce and get out, get the hell out of the home. And broken and and, and broken and, and, and of all sorts of medicine, medication, yes, yes, whatever yes. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So 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 there is no road path for the healthy young woman who's coming up and again, know something is awry or amiss, but just doesn't have anywhere to go. So that's the point of this book um, that, that's out this week. Now you write in here, which this this gets into what you wrote here. What then should be, oh, sorry, sorry. What if there is another way of living? One that doesn't lead to the predictable road of confusion and despair. What should, be, what should we be conveying to women of every economic and ethnic stripe to help us have fulfilling lives? There are basics such as don't sleep around, don't do drugs, don't have abortions, stop blaming the patriarchy, find a purpose outside of yourself, cover up some of that skin, I love that one, don't overspend and figure out what is truly good, not just what celebrities say. None of these suggestions is revolutionary, especially if one looks honestly at history or human nature or psychology. It isn't new. It only feels new if you've been born, I don't know, if you were born in the last 30 years, right? Maybe 40, I don't know. I'm 53. Um, so I was born in 1968. And it, it, it's, it's astounding to me when I think, I mean, so much has happened in the last 30 years. I, I kind of thought that my upbringing was kind of liberal or on the left, you know, kind of on the uh, more, not liberal, but more on the progressive side of where we were. But actually, compared to today, it's straight up conservative, you know, the world that I was in then. And it really wasn't, Carrie, you know, it wasn't. I mean, for example, in, in the 1980s, when I was in college, we had pretty much done away with this no sex before marriage thing, unless you were in religious circles, right? I'm talking as a society now, just right. acceptance. But it was a given that if you were sleeping with someone, you were in a long-term committed, by then you'd been like all in, you were two or three years in a relationship, it's one person, you probably would marry them, right? And many of times you did. That, that was a change in terms of being socially acceptable than don't ever have sex before you're married. So I thought that was pretty kind of middle of the road and reasonable or whatever. That's so far gone that talking about that makes you, it seems like you're, you're um, archaic. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's just amazing how fast. And even, um, you know, a good friend of mine that runs this women sh- women's shelter for pregnant women, um, she has, has women that stay with her for several years so that she can help change their lives. You know, it's not just a weekend or a month or whatever. Um, and she said she's seen a dramatic difference even in the last 10 years in terms of the brokenness, um, in terms of even women that have been trafficked you know, all of this kind of damage that it was just, you couldn't even think about in the eighties. Um, so yeah, I think she, and she said, even from when they opened their doors to, to now, it just, it's been a big, a big shift in the last 10 years as well. So yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing this very quick acceleration. And, you know, so again, it's so much controlled by the media and what, what we're being told is acceptable and appropriate. And, you know, this is how you just, how you live your life. Now I am curious, do you feel do you feel like there's going to be a turnaround in the right direction or do you feel like we're just headed, headed in? <laughs> I mean, and I hate even asking that right. like people ask me this and I, but I am curious, like, like I feel like traditional media is on its way out, Carrie. I, 
I feel like that, but not like, not really technically out. Obviously it's always going to be there, but I feel like more and more people are just turning away and realizing, am I wrong? Yeah, no, I think it's, um, wait, do you mean traditional media? Like established media. Yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about that today, actually, in terms of the, how many more options and alternatives that we have. Um, and, and the fact that they're being kind of called to the mat sometimes um, it helps a lot. But yeah, I, I do feel like there's a, a crumbling going on. I think people are just angry, too, you know, in terms of even watching what's been ha- happening in Afghanistan. Like, there's just a real palpable anger at, at these things that are happening in the culture. Um so I don't know that that will left, will lead to a turnaround because I think there's kind of a vacuum that's being created um, again, where people don't know even where to look. They just kind of keep thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's another expectation, you know, the difference between your book and what feminism tells us. Feminism is sort of like, oh, well, things will just sort of unfold unless you're talking about a career. Um, whereas you're actually giving people like a road pa- a roadmap and ideas to think about and goals to achieve. And um, so I think that that's another piece is that there, there are ways to sort of plan and, and, and look for things versus just, you know, whatever happens willy nilly, um, happens. So I think that that's a, another distinction that we, we can bring to the table, even talking about this is that there are things that we can do to change our lives instead yeah. of I mean, it's, life happening to us. You know, I've been coaching for several years now and it's very painful to, to watch and listen and learn and help people undo things that they didn't have the only reason they're in that boat is because they were fed these lies yeah that's why i wrote this book that that, that identifies these lies the culture telling you and, and and if you follow them you're gonna be calling me in 10 years and i'm trying to get you to not call me honestly like there's another way to go because it's so it's so fixable <laughs> it didn't right. have to be this way you know and that and it just angers me it angers me um and when you see it up close, it's, it's, it's easy to get angered by it. Um, okay, so then closing out, you wrote here, these elements, uh, let's see, uh, there's a real remedy for those things that afflict all of us, but they are things radical feminists don't want to be spoken out loud. Over the last five decades, a carefully constructed closed system has been created so that anything outside its boundaries is almost unthinkable. Hollywood, universities, politics, the fashion industry, magazines, daytime television, and book publishing can vouch for that, generate enough ideological tail weaving to make sure there's only one narrative in town. And then you close it by saying, there's a whole nother way to live basically, where dignity is honored, health is valued, body parts are not ignored or rendered useless and relationships, which are at the true heart of most women, and here's where you got me, because that's exactly my argument, aren't fleeting or shallow, useful or convenient, but deep abiding and life-giving. If only we could find a way to tell this to every woman. Yeah, amen. I mean, amen. That's exactly um, the path I'm on, and I'm sure you are on as well. And so let me, how do you, I know you have children, you're still in the thick of it. I'm an empty nester. Um, Are you nervous about, do you stay in a bubble sort of thing where everyone's sort of teaching the same thing, or do you feel like you're going to be fighting this for the next 10 or 15 years, or? What's going on in your personal life with this as a mother? Um, well, all of the above. I mean, I, I homeschool most of our children. Um, but I do. We do have one going to school this year. So that's going to be really interesting change of dynamic in our family. But, you know, like you, my kids 
know how to spot these lies very, very quickly just because they, you know, they've heard me talking about it and writing my books and all yeah. that. Yeah. They can't get really get away from it. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, what, what is interesting is just even professionally thinking about how do we help women with more of this and, um, you know, just trying to write, talk more about it. I wrote, I did write an article about, um, uh, you know, America's flyover women, um, and how we have this whole group of women that just are completely unrecognized by the culture and how do we help see them, help them know that they're seen and they're not alone. Um, so I, I think that's going to end up being something that I, that I work on in the future, but, um, just cause the article did so well. When was that? Um, it was the Federalist, uh, maybe about six weeks ago. I think um, I saw that because I'm in flyover country. I'm in St. Louis. Yeah. Well, and you know, and my point is you don't even have to be in flyover country. You know, you, yes. it's, it's, you can be anywhere and you still feel this way. If you're um, not in New York or California, you're forgotten. Basically. You're totally forgotten and totally ignored and, and your ideas just don't exist um, outside of your own corner of the world. So um, I think that that's something, but you know, of course there's, um, it's just a matter of like, how do we, how do we help people see that these lies? And I, I guess that's been at the heart of my, my questioning for a really long time. And I think that that's, that's really what, how we need to help them. So I, you know, I really am excited about your book just to be able to give women some kind of a resource that, that I don't have at my fingertips and won't be developing anytime soon just because of my own time constraints. But, um, it's, it's really needed. We just need to give women a different voice to hear than, than what, is being, you know, muse act in their life all day long, you know, every every day. Well, let me know uh, if you want to get together eventually on it. It's, I'm excited and um, it's a big week and um, yeah, just thank you for writing this article. It just, it just spoke to me right away because for obvious reasons. So um, it was awesome. So nice to meet you. Great to meet Um, you. Yeah. And um, hopefully we can get you back on um, in the future. That sounds great. I'd love it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gary. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to go to SuzanneVenker.com slash podcast and click on Become a Patreon subscriber, where you get early access to the shows as well as other perks. This is what allows me to continue to bring you quality content commercial free. That is my number one goal because you know what? Commercials suck. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.